Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you this morning. Today we're going to wrap up this series we've been in. This is the fifth week of this series, Wrestling with God. And this morning we're going to look at the life of a little-known character in the Old Testament named Gideon. Uh, Gideon just was an average, ordinary, everyday person and eventually became the political, uh, military, and spiritual leader of the nation of Israel for a period of time. In that time period, when he was just kind of out there doing his day job and not thinking about leading the country, Israel was being attacked on a regular basis by their neighbors to the south, the Midianites. The nation of Midian would routinely come into Israel and steal whatever they could, burn, destroy, or kill whatever they couldn't steal. And this went on long enough for years that it eventually impoverished the nation of Israel. And it brought them to a place where they cried out to God for help. In that context, an angel comes to Gideon with a message from God. And he says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon replies with a question I think all of us have asked at one point or another. Gideon just says to the angel, pardon me, my Lord, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? My translation, if this is how God treats his friends... Gideon said, from everything he could see, it looks like God has abandoned Israel. He sees the bad things happening around him, and he questions God's presence, his goodness, his guidance in Gideon's life. And I would guess that every one of us has hit a wall like that at some point in our life, whether it was a physical, emotional, relational, financial, or spiritual wall. We've hit that wall, and in those days... We just struggle to put one foot in front of the other. In those days, we ask really tough questions, faith-challenging questions, just like Gideon. So if that's where you find yourself this morning, you've hit the wall, you've got lots of questions for God, you're not alone. I think a lot of us realize that figuring out what God wants us to do in big decisions and small can be confusing, can be frustrating. And sometimes, in spite of all of our prayers, it seems like God is either deaf or totally absent. So when we're facing those really big decisions in life, I think we'd all love it. I'll just confess for me, I'd love it if God would just show up as like this giant hand in the room and just kind of write on the wall, here's what you need to do and give me all the details. Wouldn't you like that? I mean... I would also accept the fact if he showed up in just this big James Earl Jones voice, this big, deep, booming voice, I wouldn't even have to see his hand. I wouldn't have to see anything. If I could just hear that voice saying, here's what you need to do. It doesn't always work that way. God rarely chooses, in fact, to make his will known to us in those obvious ways. And yet, when I read Gideon's story, that's exactly what happened with him. God's angels showed up, told him exactly what God wanted him to do, and Gideon still pushed back. In fact, if you read on, after that initial encounter, Gideon starts talking with God directly, and he gets a little sassy with God. He gets a little mouthy with God in what he says to him. He says, so he's talking directly to God. He says, so 
if you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised, this long pause, look, I'm going to place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. And if there's dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I'll know that you will save Israel by my hand as you have said. And that's what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and he didn't just get a few drops. He wrung out a whole bowl of water. That should be enough, right? If you know the story, it's not. Gideon comes back and says to God, now don't be angry with me. Let me just make one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece, but this time make the fleece dry and the ground wet. And that night God did so. Only the fleece was dry and all the ground was covered with dew. I've known people, I've been a part of churches in the past where they would use Gideon's story here as a way to help decide what God's will is in your life and the decision that you're facing. Literally, they would say, I'm just going to put out a fleece, meaning they're going to put out some kind of a test out there, some kind of a litmus test that would say, if God does this, then I'll know it's his will for me to do this. And they do it as though it's a good thing to do. And they do it because they want to find a certainty that the action they're about to take is what God wants them to do. But if you look closely at the story, Gideon's not trying to discern what God's will is. He knows. That's clear. He even says it himself when he makes the request about the fleece. God had told Gideon to lead Israel into battle with the Midianites, a battle he promised Gideon would win. Gideon wasn't looking for God's will. He was filled with fear, and his faith was weak. He's not a great example for us to follow, and I love that the Bible has both, like good examples to us, for us to follow and other people whose lives are held up as like a cautionary tale Don't do what they did. That's what Gideon's life here is. So what does the Bible really teach then about understanding God's will in some specific situation or decision that we're facing? So what I want to share with you this morning is kind of the simplest, clearest path I've found in understanding God's will in our lives. It's commonly referred to as the circle theory, and it'll be obvious why it's called that when images start coming up on the screen. So the first thing to understand in this theory is that the Bible clearly tells us how to live a life that pleases God. Scripture provides these boundaries for things we should do and shouldn't do. And in that process, God literally is drawing a wide circle around any choice we can make as a Christ follower, a choice that celebrates and honors God that's according to his will. This is often most Uh, most commonly referred to as God's general will will, or his revealed will because God's made it really crystal clear in Scripture the things we should do and not do. From the Bible, we know that it's God's will that we speak the truth in love, that we give thanks in all circumstances, that we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. There are literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of those statements in Scripture that lay out for us what's inside that circle of God's will for us, his general revealed will. Any choice in there is great. But what's also true is that we have a will. 
And the human will is pretty straightforward. We want to do something, and we do it, and that reveals what our will is. Our actions are the evidence. Now, Gideon knows in this story clearly what God wants him to do. But rather than go and fight, he wanted to stay home and hide. That was Gideon's will. These two wills, our will and God's will, coexist. And as believers, what we really want to see is those two circles starting to overlap as our life is shaped by our relationship with God, and we begin to understand more and more what God's revealed will is for how we should live and how we should make decisions. When that overlap grows, making decisions in God's will become easier. We feel confident in our choices. And if that overlap is really small, that's where we feel this uneasy dissonance in our soul. And I would contend that that feeling of confidence and that feeling of dissonance are often a direct result of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I believe our biggest tension in this whole idea of figuring out God's will has to do with this one dot. It's us trying to figure out what is at the center of God's will. That dot in the overlap represents the specific will of God in our life. And I know people who claim that God has a specific action that is his will for you One specific action in every situation. There is one person you're supposed to marry. There is one job that you're supposed to take. There is one place you're supposed to go to college. Even down, they believe it's so specific that it even goes down to the one color of socks God wanted you to wear this morning. So if you, wore, if you wore sandals today, you're clearly outside God's will. I believe the Bible teaches a little different take on that. There are overlapping circles when our will lines up with God's, but within the, the overlap is not one choice. There are often many choices that fall in this overlap between our will and God's. And the tension that rises up in us is we don't want to make an okay choice. We want to make the best choice. We absolutely don't want to make a mistake. And we're afraid that we might somehow in this process miss what God knows out of all the dots that are there is the one dot that would be the best choice for us. About 25 years ago, uh, Connie and I and our kids, we were transitioning out of a church that we had been serving uh, for about five years looking for our next new home. We knew that this would mean moving to a new town. It would mean enrolling the kids in a new school system. It would mean making new friends. It was a very big decision for us as a family. In the end, it came down to two different options. I'm convinced there were six or seven churches that we could have gone to and had a wonderful life and a wonderful ministry with. Those were all choices God thought was great and we felt great with. But in the end, it came down to two churches. One was in Georgia. It was a gorgeous community. We loved the area. We loved the leadership team in that church. 
The other church, well, and the other big box that it checked off for us was that we would be moving from Ohio to Georgia, which was we wanted to move to a warmer climate. At the same time, we were interviewing with a church in Chicago, which is definitely not warmer than Ohio. Ultimately, we turned down that church in Georgia for a lot of reasons. We just didn't feel like God was leading us there, and all the stuff we'll talk about in a bit confirmed that. We ended up moving to Chicago. But before we moved, I introduced those church leaders to a good friend of mine who was also searching for a church. He ended up going there. He ended up having a wonderful ministry there. And in the first year he was there, the church grew in size. It doubled, actually, in size in that first year. His family loved the area. He was thriving. And i got to be honest, I mean, in that time period, that first year, we're just getting settled in Chicago. We're getting used to things. And there were parts of me, as he was emailing with me, that I felt like maybe I had missed the boat. Maybe I had missed the best choice. You ever look back on a decision and go, eh. 25 years later, I realized God guided both of us to a great choice. Again, any of those churches I could have gone to and had a wonderful ministry. But in Chicago, we found a home for our family. In Chicago, I got to travel and teach in places around the world that I didn't think I'd ever go even as a tourist. In Chicago, God stretched us and grew us as a family. And maybe the best part of that decision for us, at least how I feel, is the best part of that decision to move to Chicago ultimately led us to Westridge. And I'm really grateful for that. When we face big decisions like that in life, I think we all wrestle at some level with doubt and with fear. We want to make the best choice. We want to make the wisest choice. And rather than trying to find that one dot in the overlap, I believe that God gives us the freedom to choose any dot in that overlap. Because those are the choices that are in his will, his expressed will for us. Those are the choices that are in our heart's desire that line up with his will. And I believe in those moments any good father, God is like any good father, who is cheering us on and hoping we choose wisely. Now, to get really practical, let me give you four simple ideas that I've used through the years, personally used to help make those tough decisions and choose wisely. So whenever we're faced with a major life decision, how do we figure out the wise choices, the dots in the overlap, and eliminate the ones that are not there? First thing I would say is check your heart. Big decisions can be exciting and scary in the same moment. And there are a million thoughts going through our head. This is literally just taking the time to be still, to just be, and figure out those thoughts. For me, I've found it helpful to get away to a quiet place. For you, that may be just your deck, your backyard, maybe a park nearby. It's varied for me through the years. But I want to get away to a place, and I'm not talking about a few minutes of focused thinking. I'm talking about hours, where you just, the words just flow, where you take time to carefully examine your thoughts and your emotions, to look closely. Why am I even considering this decision or this option? And what are the circumstances that brought me to this place? When I do this, 
I'm very old school. I still take a pad of paper and a pen, uh, write it out. I'm starting to transition to, I do everything else on a tablet, a phone, a computer. I'm trying to transition to that, but I still find the paper and pen helpful. A wise person once said, our thoughts disentangle themselves when they pass through our lips and our fingertips. And I've found that to be true. So I would encourage you, if you're facing a big decision, wrestling with what God would want you to do, take some time to dig into what's going on in your heart. What are the circumstances that have brought you to this place? What might you be running toward or running from with this decision? What emotions are you feeling? What thoughts and questions do you have? Check your heart. Second, check in with God. When we make a decision, as a Christian, it should line up with or at least not contradict what God teaches in the Bible. Psalm 119, David writes, God's word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. The Bible can illuminate your way as you choose your next steps. As we read Scripture, as we understand more about God's character, it becomes easy, easier for us to determine decisions that are wise or unwise, decisions that are healthy or unhealthy, decisions that are right and some that are just flat-out wrong. Third, and this sounds a little like the second one, check in with God, pray, but pray hard. Talk to God about every aspect of this decision that you're considering. Pour your heart out to him. And in that moment when you run out of words, just be still and listen. Listen to what God or the Holy Spirit might say to you. And go back to that pad of paper you've got or that tablet you're typing on. And write down the sense of direction that you feel from God in those prayers. And what I would encourage you to do is, every time you feel a sense of God's direction, write it down. Keep that kind of as a journal of your thought process. And what it can do is it can protect you from making a decision solely based on your emotion or your thoughts in one moment. But you can see the long trajectory of where God's leading you. And as you pray, I would encourage you that instead of asking God to reveal that one right choice, ask for wisdom. James says, if any of you lack wisdom, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he'll give it to you. Fourth thing that's helped me in those decisions is to get input from a few friends. This is not everybody I know. This is just a handful of people who love me and who I trust. Friends who will listen well. Friends who, will, who know me well. Friends who will speak tough truth into my life in a loving way. Friends who will offer a fresh perspective that I might not considered without them. And for me, over the last 30 years, finding those people, usually for me, is tapping into people who are in my community group. Those four principles have helped me figure out often if my will for this particular decision is in line with God's will or not. They've helped me be confident in the choices that I make. 
But in total honesty, the Bible never promises us that we're going to have crystal clarity from God when we go to make a decision. I'd love it if God would point me to the one right choice every single time. Gideon was desperately wrestling with God for just that, just like we do. And his faith in that wrestling was all over the map. He asked an angel, an angel of God. He asked an angel to perform a miracle to confirm that he really was an angel and from God. I mean, honestly, if an angel showed up and talked to me, I think that'd be enough. But not for Gideon. The angel showed up. The angel performed a miracle. He wasn't convinced. The dry fleece, the wet fleece, he wasn't convinced. They were not enough to convince Gideon. And in the end, God simply looked at Gideon and said, you're going to have to just go with the strength you have. Go with the little bit of faith that you have. For most of life's tough decisions, I doubt if any of us will ever have 100% certainty. At some point, we have to move forward with whatever mixture of faith and doubt we have and trust that God will be with us every step of the way. This morning, I want to wrap up with a prayer I came across in my study. It's from Thomas Merton. It's a beautiful prayer for just this kind of a situation and I've adapted for us at Westridge. So if you just bow your head, close your eyes, I'm going to pray this for us. God, we confess to you <laughs> that we often don't have any idea where we're going. We struggle to see the road ahead of, us, ahead of us and we struggle to even see you on that road. We travel that road not knowing for certain where it will end. Beyond that, God, we confess that we don't even really know ourselves. The fact is that when we think we're doing your will, that doesn't mean that we're actually doing it. But God, we do believe this. We believe that our desire to please you does in fact please you. We pray that we'll have that desire in all that we're doing. God, help us to be still enough, to listen well enough, to trust you enough, to move with the faith that we have. Pray this in Jesus' name.